All Heart with Paul Cardall goes beyond the typical interview podcast to dive deep into life's biggest issues. Born with a congenital heart defect and a heart transplant recipient, Paul has a unique perspective that facilitates powerful, educational, and engaging conversations about overcoming obstacles and making the impossible possible. With his second chance at life, the pianist wants to give people hope and a sense of calm through his music. Beyond that, he is seeking to shine a light on the powerful voices of others. His guests truly define what it means to be all heart. They share with us what drives them, what keeps them carrying on in the face of adversity, and how they strive to do their best and make the world a better place. Paul is proud to share his conversations with you here on the American Songwriter Podcast Network. I'm Paul Cardall, and I'm excited to continue our conversation with the Grammy-nominated country duo, Thompson Square. Every love story in there is just fairy tales and tears. In our previous episode, both Shauna and Kiefer shared how they got their start in the music business, how they met each other before they got married, what it's like trying to find your place in Nashville, understanding the dynamics of songwriting, which led to being offered advice from their friend Merle Haggard. Of course, any mention of Haggard in this town and those of us who admire the country legend perk up with curiosity. Imagine being invited into the tour bus or even the home of your hero. Who is that hero? And not only that, that hero wants to offer you advice. Well, today, Thompson Square is going to reveal more about their experience with Merle Haggard and so much more. Before we begin, I'd like to remind you that this interview took place at the end of April during the pandemic. Thanks for joining us. I mean, it used to never stop. It, it stops now. I mean, I, I used to write five days a week, regardless. And now I, know, I don't want to write that much anymore. Um, my songs are better because I don't write that much anymore. And uh, I wait to have something to write about a lot of times versus just sitting down and writing for the heck of it, you know? Well, and that was some good advice that we got from Earl Haggard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Haggard gave me that advice one night. So I, Tell us about that because I'm a huge Haggard fan. You guys got the opportunity to, to go inside the tour bus and here's this legend. Chris Christopherson considers him the greatest songwriter in country music and yet Chris no, Christopherson is. is pretty no, I, good at, you know. I, I, so what was that like? Yeah. And walk us through that because... Well, honestly, we didn't, we didn't say a whole lot. We were pretty... Um, I wanted to listen. In awe, <laughs> to be quite honest, but... Kiefer did ask him, he was like, if well, you don't mind me asking, you know, what is your, your writing process? Well, I, you know, going back to the very beginning, the reason why I even write songs is because of the big city record and all, you know, I, I was, uh, my dad listened to country music my whole life and uh, I liked it, but I didn't fall in love with it until I heard Merle Haggard and then I was all in. And so our, our record label owner, Benny, uh, was very good friends with Merle, and he happened to be playing the Ryman Auditorium. And we all had to, we all got tickets, and we all went to the show, and uh, they were like, hey, do you want to meet? Uh, do you want to meet Haggard? And I'm like, uh, yeah. So we all, we, me and, he took me and Sean on the bus. Honestly, I was a little, it was one of those things where I wasn't quite sure if I wanted to meet him or not because I didn't want it. If Too it went bad. south, you know, it would like totally. Yeah. <laughs> he would have been a total jerk, you know. Yes. I, hate, but, I, hate, I hate when that happens, when you 
absolutely love an artist, you listen to all their music, and then you spend time with them, and you have to you have to separate the artist from the person. Right. We uh, we actually had an amazing um, encounter. So. <laughs> Well, so I, we go in, I'm studying every wrinkle in his face and his, his, he's got these blue eyes that just like cut through the night. And uh, he was a little bitty stature of a man. I mean, he's probably five, six, you know, I'm five, eight. And I'm, you know, I just, I towered over him, you know, and, and uh, his, uh, he was sitting there and he had his uh, the ostrich boots on. They looked like they looked like they were about that long. That was the first thing I noticed is how small his feet were. And I was just like, so I said, well, you know, if you don't mind me asking, what's your writing process? Uh, because Benny wanted us to write together. And that was my dream to write with him. And I never, I never, I never got to. But um, he said, well, he said, I, he looked right in my eyes and goes, well, I, I look at the grand condition and try to say something to surprise myself. And I was just like, come on, man. You know, so that from that day forward, it really kind of shaped my whole writing style. Um, uh, the importance of every little nuance, the importance of simplicity, the importance of uh, relating to the most common of people. Uh, and I consider myself a very common person. But uh, getting it that not not trying to outsmart everybody, you know, because Haggard's music was so simply delivered, mm -hmm. but the compositions were literally genius. I mean, mm -hmm. he he could say the most what seemed to be the most simplistic. Not I, I want to say novice, but it's not novice because he's a genius, but most simplistic thing he could say in a way that just was like there's no one in the planet who can't understand what you're trying to tell me there's a lyric that he has that i i love because it basically just says it so plainly i believe jesus is god and a pig is just him i am what i am i love that you know th that's a great tune and it gets right to the point i mean just to be in his presence. I took my wife to see him and we sat on the second row. I didn't want to sit on the front row because I wanted to be in a good position to see the whole stage. And he actually was performing with Chris, Chris Christopherson. And then I went a second time because, you know, and then he passed and I, I cried. I well, cried the day he died. Yeah, I've never cried for anybody that's died outside of my family or friends. And we were at our house in Alabama and on the wall, we just hung up. Uh, we had gotten asked to do a, uh, a Merle Haggard tribute record. And we got to sing, let's chase each other around the room tonight. And Shauna sang, uh, you take me for granted. So we had two songs in our album and uh, the worker man's poet uh, tribute. And it's just, uh, that was such an honor. So he signed the, signed the deal, they framed it, we put it up in our house. And the day he died, I was up there, I, I walked upstairs and, and uh, I just kind of looked at the painting on the wall, not the painting, but the poster on the wall. And um, I just lost it. I, mean, I literally 
lost it. And uh, I didn't know where it was coming from, you know? And, and Shauna just, she heard me crying, you know? And she she came over there and she looked at what I was looking at and she just like, she just held on to me, you know? And, and uh, I was like sitting there crying, going, I don't understand, why am I crying? But I got thinking about that a little bit later and it's like, although I didn't know him, he shaped me mm. as much as anybody has. Mm -hmm. uh, creatively shaped me more than anybody has. So you don't have to know somebody for their body of work to have such an influence on you that it becomes uh, a, a piece of you, you know? And when that piece of you is, is affected in a way where they're not gonna create anymore, they're not here, uh, the chance of you writing with them is gone. Uh, the chance of you ever seeing them live again is gone. Um, just everything, just the, the fact that their presence is no longer of this earth was, a, I couldn't get my head around that, you know? Uh, it's, the, it's the fact that there will never be another new song written by that man who had written yeah, so hundred, many brilliant hundred. songs that spoke to the American experience in such a powerful way. I'm curious, from where you grew up in Oklahoma, how far away was his original hometown in Oklahoma? Uh, well, I guess it was... I can't remember, less than an hour or two, probably. So not too far. You guys are both from Oklahoma. Now, that era of music, I mean, it's, we call it vintage country. I don't know the proper term you may know, but it's such a profound era. And I know you guys have been spending quite a bit of time working with Shauna. You know, you produce this album to try to recreate kind of that 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 era that yeah. was so magical in country music we've been talking about Merle Haggard and yeah the legends of you know Loretta Lynn Connie Smith all of these great artists tell me about this project yeah you know we went in and uh I had a couple of I, I guess four cover songs that we wanted to do songs that were super special to me covers that are um not necessarily um that well known um, and then we wrote some originals, Kiefer and I and Leslie Satcher sat down and wrote uh, four, I think. Three or four. We wrote one with Mark, Mark Green, Green and, and George, George Dupas. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but going in the studio, it was, it was almost like we all had to kind of deprogram and start right. over and um, just simplify things. Um, I mean, we didn't, ha we didn't overdub. Um, we had one guitar. Uh, one acoustic, one bass, you know, like one, just, just, just what you would have on, on a honky stonk stage back in the sixties, you know. And for those that for those that don't understand what overdub is, okay, that, so that's a, that happens a lot in country music today. What is that? Yeah, so you know, you go in and you have a, a set of musicians who set up and they play, and then let's say the uh, guitar player wants to add a part you would overdub another, so you would record a second part, or you would go back in and replace that part, or fix the part, or fix this, or fix that. Or you would keep adding instruments. Or adding and adding and adding and adding and adding until you had this giant sound. Well, what we did was we pulled all of that out, and we got to the very basics, and the very essence of what the song uh, was really breathed into existence to do. And 
it was just, you know, we, we took it down to the very basics. It was, it was drums and bass. It all started with drums and bass. And then uh, we added um, where, we, where we felt it was uh, appropriate. We added, uh, you know, upright piano. And uh, up, there's a lot of upright bass on this record, you know. And so it was just, you know, we didn't go back and fix anything. We just took it until it was right, you know. And uh, same way with the vocals, you know. We didn't spend a whole lot of time fixing stuff there wasn't a whole lot to fix but there wasn't a whole lot of like now you know you can tune things to where they're perfect um we didn't do a whole lot of that either we just wanted it to be as natural and and uh rootsy as possible so there's some imperfections there but there's a there's a there's a, 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 a there's a there's a humanity to the whole thing you know because it's uh it's not it's just people playing music it's not electronic it's not any of that you know so do you feel that obviously, you know, that era was more natural, more raw, more real? Are you saying that today's country is, we're trying too hard? Well, you know, who, who knows? That country music sounded that way because that's all they had. Mm-hmm. They had eight tracks and five guys, you know, so when when all you have to eat when, when all you can you got some sugar in the flour over there you're going to make biscuits every day because that's all you got you know so that's what we did that you know we just went back to making biscuits we didn't have anything else we didn't use anything else there's no other ingredients so i'm sure that if they had all the technology we had back in the day they would use it i mean you could hear it through different eras of decades after music earl thomas Connolly sounded completely different than keith whitley it sounded completely different than ricky skag so as technology come up, you know, you get a new sound and everyone hops in that sound. So it's all relative, you know? I mean, I'm, there was people back in the day that thought they were trying too hard. They thought the Ray Price just popped. They hated him when he, when he, when he went to put strings yeah, on strings. his records and stuff. So, you know, trying too hard. I think there's a lot of artists, I think period, who try to be whoever is successful. That's just the nature of the business. Yeah, I just that's like- been forever. You go back to those records back in the day and everyone's playing shuffles. It's all a steel guitar playing 1511, which is a chord progression for those of you who don't know. And they all sound exactly the same. same. So we're like, oh, they were innovators. I'm like, well, they weren't. There was a couple of them that were, but everyone else just copied what everybody else was doing. (laughs) Well, it's that uh, Johnny Cash line, I've got stripes and you've got stripes. You clearly know what you're talking about but I, I, I've been in uh, a room where they're discussing the songs that they need to have their songwriters write that are in comparison to what's being played on top 40 so I was sitting there as an independent musician who's done everything organically going I, I just feel like this is what I need to give my audience whereas it seems more of a, a hypothesis, a scientific method approach. Well, there, to there is more manufactured. What it needs to, to, yeah. Again, though, when you say manufactured, there's been hits of manufactured throughout decades and decades and decades. Mm-hmm. Someone did crazy. Remember that girl that did crazy? That song, crazy. Mm-hmm. That was a huge song. And then you had all these beautiful strings, and all these women were singing the in that same vein with a big pretty thing and had the big hair and the whole thing. So it's just, it, it's all the same, you know, and we're guilty of it. I mean, you, I mean, you go into writing, 
You go, well, you know, there, there's two kinds of music, uh, uh, commercial music and non-commercial music, you know? If you want your music to be played commercially on the radio, yes, there is a lane that you must be in. Can you go outside that lane? A little bit, but you can't be across the street when everybody else is over here playing in this yard because no one's going to, it doesn't fit. Um, Occasionally, what, somebody will, will sneak through the cracks. It hadn't always been as it is now. I think it's more sonically or whatever else. Um, it's it's very on top of each other, you know. Um, I think people are scared to try to be themselves mm-hmm. because the fear you won't get played on the radio. I want to make millions of dollars, so I'm gonna. I got to do something kind of like this, you know. Uh, so we're all we all want success, man. I mean, you know, it's like we all want success. We all want to be individuals, but not too individual, you know. It's just if I'm being honest, you know. I mean, I if Sean and I made records that just came to us, like hey, this song just came to me, and we're gonna put it out, and these sounds just came to us, you know. I doubt. I would venture to say that some of that, most of that stuff probably would never get played on the radio. Because we'd have some crazy well, just, stuff in there, honestly, you know, just because it's, it's fun. You it's know? like my record. We know that that record will never be played on country radio. There's no way. But, but it should. Well, I'm going to give my editorial opinion. That's <laughs> my favorite kind of country music. And it's a shame. It's yeah. a shame that we don't propel that kind of stuff because it does pull the past forward yeah, and it gives that legacy to our children. Mm-hmm. But like, at the same time, Kiefer, I do agree that music is ever evolving, ever changing. You know, we saw this with Lil Nas, Old Town Road, and the way that's impacted music. Just at the Grammys alone, there were so many talented women finally getting, you know, we don't hear about enough women in music. And at the Grammys, you had, you know, Lizzo. Who, who pulls out a food? I haven't seen anything like that since Jethro Toll. Mm-hmm. And she did yeah. it with style and flash. And that challenges everybody and says, I guess it's okay to put a flute in a mm-hmm. hip-hop piece. Well, so it's just I, like, I agree with you. you know, when Chris Stapleton uh, came on the scene, someone took a chance on him in a radio to let the song out which is an old song, old George Jones song. A lot of, uh, then he know, put a spin on. And he yeah. put a soulful spin on, and he just out sang everybody, you know? And sometimes the sometimes all you have to do is be is, be so good they can't ignore you, you know? And that, I think that's what Chris Stapleton is. I think he's so good you can't ignore him. And you don't want to. You want to hear that. You but know? what's sad is Nashville did ignore him for years. Oh, well, yeah. No, he ignored him for 20 crazy. years. crazy. Well, I yeah. didn't know about him until... Justin Timberlake. Well, he was Justin Timberlake. big and successful. And then I see this video of him singing with this country artist who looks like uh, uh, Jameson. J- Jamie Johnson? Jamie Johnson. He looks like <laughs> Jamie Johnson. And I couldn't figure out, is that Jamie Johnson or is that Chris Stapleton? So yeah. it, took, uh, it took this pop star for me to recognize the value of Stapleton because I didn't I didn't know who he was. No, well, after that night, you saw his 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 career take off. You know, it just yeah. took off. You know, and and a lot of times, that's what you need. 
you need someone that's cooler than you to go i think this dude's cool and the rest of the world should too and i'm just intimidated like i'm the coolest guy in the world so here's my endorsement and everyone goes you know what that guy is cool he's great let's all collaborate with him you know and then he went from like literally just you know playing the station in and do it to selling out arenas man you know like you like you said it's high school all over again you need to get the popular kid in your court now say there's a musician that comes to nashville they move to nashville they hope to make it big they're trying to get gigs on broadway what advice would you guys give to that person today um because obviously things have changed knowing what we know you, knowing what you go, know now go home <laughs> Go home right now, and don't you ever come back here. You did get now, a college. You did get a college degree. I did I before did. you came uh, here, and that's great. I did. Um, you know, I, I I think that the the only piece of advice I would just make sure that you want it. Um, you're prepared to be broke for years, and prepared to be brokenhearted for years, um, and broken in every other kind of way and be okay with that. And I think if the joy of creating the music isn't your most, mm -hmm. the strongest motivation that you have for being here, you need to go home. Uh, because as Sean and I have started at the bottom, reached to the top, had another valley, and there's peaks and valleys throughout our, our you know, 10 year tenure, um, it's never gotten any easier mentally on me anyway you i know too mm. um of i feel like having we've... your music accepted you know so it's like people say oh man you, you've made some money and you've had these hits and everything else and yeah and the next day after that song goes number one guess what no one cares yeah that was yesterday now what do you got to do well you got to beat what you just did you gotta and it's just like any other business if you feel like you have to beat you have to beat, you have to beat. And uh, it's not the case. You don't have to beat it. We probably, we'll probably never beat Kiss Me or Not as far as like the, uh, the, sheer, the sheer vastness of that song, you know? And, and uh, you know, That's, so I, that would be my advice, man. I mean, make, make damn sure you want it because it's gonna break you in half and it's gonna break you in half for the rest of your freaking life. It's literally been nose to the ground selling for 23 years yeah. since we moved here. Don't let up. Which, yeah. you know, you're talking about how you have to be broken if you really wanna stay in this. And yet my favorite song that you guys have written is Breaker. Tell everybody more about that song because it's not on the radio. And yet no. it has such a huge, huge impact on so many people i think we should shoot a video for that and single it yeah we you know, you know it's it's been amazing that song is something special Kiefer and i toured over in europe um this last year and every show that we played somebody requested it at a meet and greet or from the crowd um on our social media they would ask if we were going to play it that night at the show um it's it's just one of those songs that I think a lot of people can relate to because everybody's been hurt by somebody at some point in their life. Um, in my case, it just happened to be a family member. And um, 
we wrote that song with Marty um, Dodson and um, her point of view, it was the ex-boyfriend that it was about. So, uh, yeah, I just, I think everybody can relate to it. You know, I think that's why it's so special. And I think in my vocal, you can hear like how hard it was for me to sing it. And um, I had my heart on my sleeve, you know, and I think people well, can definitely hear it. <laughs> and that's what it, I think that's what it takes as a recording artist. A big reason why you guys are where you're at is because you can feel what you're what you're singing so deeply and yeah. so on breaker you know as a composer i picture it it's stripped down with piano but i hear this orchestra playing and yeah it's it's a i get i get emotional every time i hear it so thank you for Aww. thank you for giving us that song and Thank you. I still have a hard time singing it. Uh, when we were on the European tour, I sang it, I think, maybe at two of the shows, and I broke down both times. Um, it's just hard, hard to sing. Tell me, tell me, tell me on a good note, tell me what it's like to be married to another creative person. Because you're creative, and yet you have this other yeah. person in your life. And, you know, what's that balance like? Well, it's it's pretty crazy when we try to work together creatively. Um, we usually have to have another person in the room with us to keep us straight and in line. I do have a tendency to speak my mind a little more when I write with Kiefer. That's not, one thing I can honestly say that we don't do good together. We can do everything else good together, but creating and writing together, I can probably I can probably think of maybe four songs that we've written. No, I can think of one song that we've written together, just the two of us, where we didn't almost kill each other. <laughs> yeah, I just, yeah, no, she's she's not the best co-writer in the world. Uh, no. I think, I think the songwriting for a lot of people is therapy because you're able to get into a room with somebody else. You're able to release all of the emotions and stress through a song, and it may be through somebody else's experience or an experience of your own. Do you think that's? You no, when we same? when we write together, we need therapy. <laughs> it's not therapy. You go to therapy after that. Uh, you know, I, I think if it's the right if it's the right combination, I think it definitely is. I think Breakers was therapeutic. That yeah, uh, that I think uh, I think a lot of this album's masterpiece was extremely therapeutic for me to write that. Because I wanted to write a song about my son, and I wanted to write a song about the love I have for her, and that was um, that came after the record was already done. You know, that came from us. To be quite honest, it came from us getting out of a record deal too, and like focusing on family and um, life, not being about what the next hit was going to be or what the next big tour was going to be. Yeah. And I think that's when the honesty came out and the realness. And that's why Masterpiece is such a great song. You know what? And Breaker is on that album. Yeah. Yeah. For yeah. everyone listening, Masterpiece is definitely the Thompson Square record you want to get, in my opinion. Well, thank you, man. We, we feel the same way. We feel like it was, um, it's Thompson Square 110%. 
Yeah. Where the I, others were a little bit more commercially driven. commercially driven and manufactured. <laughs> a, a little bit, you know. But they're it's, you know they're still talks. great. Still <laughs> yeah, songs like "If I Didn't Have You" that those those are those are commercial songs for those because we're a commercial act. I mean, I write commercially. Yeah. Um, I write some things that are weird and outside the box and funny stuff or whatever else, but I'm not really opposed to going back and singling every single song once a month off that masterpiece record because it was a, kind of a weird process with that because usually what you would do you you you, you would uh, create a record on a record label you would put a single or two out and you move on to the next deal well we tried to make this album that every song could be single i mean we went to 12 10 12 songs that were all as best the the, the best that we had at the time mm -hmm. and i think that's what we did and and um you know we got out of the deal made this record it ended up getting us into another record deal um which which uh spearheaded making her album and everything else and we've since we've gotten out of that deal so we're no longer with that label either they pretty they kind of closed down so um so it's been kind of did they what's close that? because is this a result of the pandemic you know i don't know no one really knows um all i know is it, it was uh we got a call one day it was like hey uh it, it is no more so as it, as upsetting as that was, it was almost a relief as well. Like you know, I you know, I think if I was a little bit younger, I'd be more freaked out. But now I'm just like, okay, there's a door that closed, and I'm looking around for another open doors, and and those open doors are already coming. So um, I, the the other piece of advice to to digress a little bit. If I could tell myself one thing, my 18-year-old self that moved to Nashville, I think it would be don't care about what anybody else thinks. Don't care musically, because don't care if they like your music. Don't care if you're writing the right stuff. Don't care. Just be who you are. Just be mm. who you freaking are, because that is the hardest damn thing to be, and it's still hard for me to be 100% me. Still, from the way I dress, from the way I sing, from the way I write and play guitar, everything, I'm getting better at me, but I'm still not quite there. I'm gonna write that down too, by the way. That's a song idea. Well, we've, <laughs> we've known each other for, I think, two years now, and I've, I've, see, I've seen you quite often, and you're one of the coolest guys in Nashville because you are authentic. You are being yourself. You know what you're good at. You're not trying to do something, you, you know, that, that's just beyond your control. Right. And I think that's because you've got Shauna, clearly, and this is all editorial again, Shauna, to keep you balanced. Oh, she keeps it balanced, all right. Yes, he wouldn't call it balanced. No, I would call it, <laughs> it I would balanced, call it deflated. No. Uh. <laughs> well, it's just getting back to Kiefer having the personality of not knowing when to shut it down and just give it a breath. How do you shut down? Creative people can't shut it off because there's always something like... Uh, always. I have the same issue. But thank God for that, man. I, 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 I'm thankful for that because I have something to wake up 
I have something to look forward to every single day of my life. And when I wake up, I, I mean, I, I, I write down, I mean, create something in my calendar every day. I get an alarm to create something, work harder, whatever else the mantra might be for the, for the year or the month or however often I change it. But it's like, I, I love that. I go to bed and I wake up thinking about, well, two things. <laughs> um, but, so, but, you know, it's okay. like, I, I'm out, I'll lay in bed and I'll think about like a song idea will come or like I was in the closet a while ago and I had a chorus that just came out of nowhere just from me talking to a buddy of mine. So I recorded that down. It's just like, it's the joy of creation is what, is, is, is what I really, really love. And, and, you know, even when it comes to like saying that I don't care, I, I can't even care what Shauna thinks about my songs. I, cause I can't, cause if she doesn't like it, I'm deflated. I'm defeated. I so I can't that. even, I can't even, I mean, I mean, don't care. Don't care about nobody's opinion <laughs> because at, at the end of the day, you have to sleep with yourself. And at the end of the day, Sean doesn't know everything. I don't know everything. The guy, the record label guy doesn't know everything. So why are you looking to these other people to justify what you're doing as being good enough? So I just, I, I just quit playing songs for people um, that I, that I'm asking for an opinion. You know, I still do every once in a while. Like, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? But I'm almost scared to play anything for, for, for her. Cause I want her to think everything's great and everything I write is not great. And she calls me out on that. And I'm like, what do you mean it's not great? And then we get this big fight. And that, that's, that's the creative. That's, I think that's the, the, the thing in our marriage probably that's the most difficult. Honesty is the most important thing. And I can't lie and tell him if I, if I don't like it, I tell him, you know, I can't. But it's okay for me to say, I think you're wrong. Yeah. And that's, and that's, and that's, and that's the deal, you know. <laughs> so that's probably the hardest creative, but that's the hardest thing for us to deal with is, is, is that. Like if, if we're writing and she says something, I'm like, oh, I don't know about that or whatever else. Or if I just, you know, it, that's, that's the, probably the hardest part of our, our marriage, frankly. Yeah, I just don't play say... anything for her anymore, really. Okay. I just don't. It, okay. it, it's, well, not, it's not going to be a me. Hold on, in my defense, what if you never would have played Masterpiece for me? Well. Why did you play Masterpiece for me? I don't know. Because you knew it was a great bleeping song, well, right? But th there's also a lot of other great bleeping songs. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, I don't really get that one. I don't understand that. You know. Where can where can people find you guys online? Everywhere. Uh, ThompsonSquare.com is a great hub for everything. But obviously, we do uh, one on Wednesday on Wednesday nights. Facebook, uh, Instagram, yeah, uh, YouTube. YouTube is a big, we're, we're starting to do more and more stuff on YouTube. Um, so yeah, just, just e everywhere, you know. And it's just Thompson Square everywhere. Yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, all of us, all of us Thompson Square. And um, yeah, we're just in the process of uh, continually creating stuff, you know, so. Um, well, I appreciate I you gonna... guys. Really appreciate yeah, you guys being on this. I want to thank my guests, Kiefer and Shauna Thompson of Thompson Square. And thank you for listening. Until next time, don't ever forget who you are and how valuable you are to this beautifully complex world calling on you and me to be all heart.
American Songwriter has been a home for songwriters, musicians, and music lovers for over 35 years. 